What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast, brought to you by Keeping Carlson on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Jeremy Versillo. Joining me tonight, my pal and yours, Shams Benamore. Shams, how are you doing this fine Thursday evening? Uh, doing okay, just trying to find out uh, which goalies right away going to get injured. It just seems to be all this week from Aiden Hill to what looks like Faye Melka, just no news and to not playing. So just trying to understand what's going out on that uh, wonderful uh, landscape. Yep, goalies are always a pain, even when they're healthy. If you're new here, Short Shifts is a twice-weekly check-in between the ginormous Sunday evening episodes of Keeping Carlson designed to keep you up to date with fantasy news, takes, and analysis all throughout the season. Let's get right into business here. I think we have possibly the biggest piece of news we've had in a few months. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov is out for three to four weeks, right before fantasy playoffs. You may not get a playoff game from him. What's a manager to do? At this point, I'm, uh, I'm honestly second-guessing owning any forward. Now, like, that sounds like a little hyperbole, but at this point, the way I'm looking at it, you got Zuccarello, Boldy, and then, like, Erickson Eck, just because he hits so many different sat lines that if you're not getting goals, you're fine. But, like, I was talking to somebody on the Discord, and they were asking who's going to take the power play spot, and I asked the question, do we even care? Because at this point, it feels like Kaprizov is the only like difference maker. I don't want to hold Zuccarella in low regard, but he's no Kaprizov. So at this point, this is one of those massive everyone gets worse situations. And unless you're in a deep league, I would be second guessing almost like any forward from the wild. You're kind of right there. I, uh, in addition, I want to point out that Minnesota has one of the worst playoff schedules, assuming your playoffs start next week. They have three games each of the three weeks, which is pretty low. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you just want to cut them loose and get a four-game streamer and a, a streamer spot for those weeks. I'm with you there. Like As I said, like Zuccarello and then Erickson, Eck, and Boldy are the only ones that maybe like give a game or two, especially you don't want to be blowing a move right away. But all the rest, I like. it's going to be cascading down. Yeah, that's uh, part of the problem with superstar injuries, especially on teams that, you know, may not be anything without their superstar. Speaking of injuries, we have an outjury to report. Evander Kane has finally returned to the Edmonton Oilers lineup, slotting in with McDavid and Hyman on the first line. That bumps Kaylor Yamamoto to the second line with Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. We don't have power play units right now, because even though that game has started as we record this, Edmonton has not had a power play yet. Anything other than good news for Kane owners here? One thing I would add is that it effectively locks the top six, because especially now, unless something happens where Bukestad doesn't step up, I feel like he covers the third line center, which releases uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins to be in the top six. So really at this point, there's only like Yamamoto is like the only person that doesn't have like that set for a hundred percent. So the old days of what's the random person that's going to be playing with McDavid or Drysital looks like it's going to be done, and then maybe I might see someone peek in for Yamamoto if he's as a cold night. But like it's basically set now. That's a really good point. 
it's not directly related to Kane's outjury, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins feels like a lot safer of an asset right now, and Yamamoto isn't fighting with Pugliarvi because Pugliarvi got traded. And he's had a bunch of 18-minute time on ice games. He's had a four-shot game, a five-shot game. He's throwing about two hits a night. Kaylor Yamamoto may be a sneaky ad for some of your playoff streaming. That is a good point. I was more talking about him about possibly in the weak link, but I remember him having, I believe it was last week, some pretty good games in a row, and I just wasn't willing to take that jump. But now that you say that, especially where we're talking about there's not many people fighting at his uh, heels at the moment, that, hey, if you're looking at, you know, you picked up a lot of worse players than Yamamoto to have a chance with Dreisaitl, but to be with him and R.H., you'd probably do a lot worse. Like, would you have any of the Minnesota people, maybe other than Zuccarello, <laughs> over Yamamoto at this moment? Like, schedule aside? Schedule aside, I'd probably take Boldy over him still. Boldy's shown a penchant for being able to put the puck in the net, especially on the power play. But yeah, I think that's a reasonable discussion, uh, especially if the schedules line up to favor Edmonton. I forget if they do or not. So yeah, that just, just shows how far... We're literally talking about the sixth forward of the top six of Edmonton. And right now we're saying only two forwards of the wild. So just kind of a way to just kind of check yourself when you're looking at potential streamers compared to your wild forwards. Another potential streamer to look at is Vladimir Mesnikov, who is slotted in for an injured Pierre-Luc Dubois in the Winnipeg top six. Dubois did not travel with the team, and it's an upper body injury, but we don't know anything more than that. Nemesnikov took the second-line center and power play two-time. He has two assists in his three games with Winnipeg and three shots in the last game, which was the only one where he was up on that second line. Where would you rank Nemesnikov in comparison to the other guys we've been talking about? Probably the way I would see it is that, like, you're playing with Ehlers. I forget if he's s- still with uh, Power Play 2, but knowing the way Winnipeg is, he's probably there with him. That I would probably put him maybe around Yamamoto, because I'm not totally sold, but if he keeps on getting a streaky and whatnot, and he fits in your lineups, I would probably have him around Yamamoto, maybe better, depending on if we have any better news on ELD, because if he comes back at any point because then his value is probably just tanks. That's absolutely true. Uh, PLD does not sound like a serious injury. It's nothing observable that anybody saw in the games. So you have to imagine it's a couple game absence and he'll be back in that top six center slot, even though he's been struggling their weight lately. I wonder if he's fighting through a longer term injury that he just needs to keep playing to get his team to playoffs. One more outjury we have here. Jordan Greenway, who just got traded to Buffalo, returned from injury, got placed on the top line, and has already scored a goal today. Greenway seems super interesting in Buffalo, getting top line minutes, and the fact that he's also got some banger stats. What do you think of him? I am very interested in him. Effectively, uh, anyone with uh, Thompson and Skinner, I am interested in. and. I'm not sure if you have a chance, take a look at the goal that was scored by Greenway. It was honestly, it looked like both of them or all three of them were together for ages. It was a nice like tic-tac-toe play that gives me confidence that there's a little bit of chemistry in there. And the way I look at it is that Greenway is probably going to be there until he gives them a reason not to, because it looked like the last few games Quinn was 
not really lighting it up. I had him in one league, and I don't think he did much of anything. So it's, I think what they're going to do is just keep on cycling someone until they give a reason to not be there. And Greenway's there. He's got a goal. So uh, just keep him there until he's uh, pulls off, basically. So would you say definitely Greenway over Yamamoto, even though they both kind of have that similar deployment with Superstar feel? I just feel like Yamamoto could be in position just, well, anyone on Edmonton just has a points, just a possibility of falling into points. But I would prefer Greenway, assuming that uh, he shows maybe he doesn't wear, like, probably the way I look at it is I have a feeling that Yamamoto is probably going to be more of your steady player. But I think the way I look at it is that Greenway is going to be put in a better position since he is on the first line and they're going to really be playing Thompson and Skinner to try to get to the playoffs. That if he's if they're going to be playing, he's going to be playing and he's going to have some potential to hit really high. But as we talk, something could happen in two games down the road. He could be off that line. So I feel like Greenway's the variance play. Yamamoto is the safer play. That's a pretty good assessment. I, While you were talking, I just flipped up and watched that goal, and it was a very, very pretty one. Additionally, there was some buzz when that trade was made that Greenway was acquired specifically to slot in to the top six there. And a few people I know, especially some Minnesota fans, are like, what are you talking about? Why would anybody do that? And it seems like they're doing exactly what they said they would. Oh, and the way I look at it is that uh, the way that Tuck plays, kind of that, like, he had a little bit of like a bruiser kind of mentality to him, maybe not, like not to the extent of Greenway, but he seems to be fitting maybe his possibility to save roles. So it makes more sense that maybe that's what they're trying to replicate. And as of now, sadly, with the way the NHL is with their injuries, I haven't heard anything on Tuck. So at least at the very news, I haven't heard any positive news. So I feel like if Greenway has a position to keep that role, I don't think it's going to be a situation like with uh, Domestikov where. Someone's ready to come back to just supplant him. Agreed. One last guy that we're going to talk about for the break is another guy on a new team. We talked last episode about how hot Dmitry Orlov has been recently, and he's been rewarded with power play one time. Uh, the coach was not happy with how the power play had been performing. They've actually slumped a bit, which is absurd given the players on that unit. And so far, they're 0 for 2 tonight, but... Orlov in power play one over McAvoy has a cannon of a shot from his Washington days. Uh, do you think this will stick? Is McAvoy still the defenseman to own in Boston? Oh, yeah. Like, in the end, I this doesn't change my opinion on uh, McAvoy, because especially that he just eats so many minutes that even if he has loses a power play time, it's one of those situations where you're, the trade deadline has passed. You're not going to drop him. You're just going to be like, Holding your nose kind of maybe the same way you looked at the headman when you lost the spot to Sergachev. But the way with Orlov, if this could stick, this kind of changes my story. The kind of running joke was that no matter what Orlov was doing, I wasn't a fan just because I didn't think it was sustainable. Well, if he has a position to keep power play one, that is more of a reason where I could see him continuing getting points. Because the worst part with you'll have with defensemen is they'll go on a random heater for four games, getting like a goal and three assists. You're like, I found my guy. And then you use your ad, and he does nothing for three games. And you keep on holding him because like, we just had an offensive explosion. I thought Orlov's going to be that. But if he's on power play one, now with two, like being 0 for 2, maybe that's not for long. But 
maybe I would be open to giving him a little bit more of a leash. I agree with you. Uh, the going on for an explosion and then getting a couple goose eggs in your fantasy lineup is called the Kalen Addison special, in my opinion. Another reason to love Orlov is Boston has a great playoff schedule. You're going to be getting, I believe, 12 games in three weeks from him. And he's got some good banger stats. So this isn't a pause the pod moment, but this is a, if he's out there, you should strongly consider adding him moment. With that, let's go to our commercial break and we will be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Now we want to talk about a hot goalie and a couple of who's actually starting goalies. First off, the hot goalie, Jacob Markstrom, has had a bit of a resurgence lately in his four starts in February. And yes, don't get on me about the small sample size of four starts. He's got a 222 goals against average, a 936 save percentage. And additionally, the coach has mentioned wanting to get him going to get in on that playoff run. So... What do you think about Jacob Markstrom? Is this resurgence slash coach confidence anything more than ruining Daniel Vladar for everyone? All right, well, everyone has been lamenting about Markstrom, and this is the worry about spending on uh, goalies, is that I remember a lot of people, at least on our Discord, uh, Keeping Carlson Discord, just talking about, yay, I'm finally free, I cut Markstrom. Now, of course, this is where his resurgence is, and especially with the coach comment and with his history of probably wanting to start one goalie because Mike Barster played most of the games last season when he was playing fine. So as long as he keeps this up and not like tank to the lows that he was before, I have a feeling that it's his debt throughout the rest of the season. That's kind of how I feel too. And as one of those people who spent an early draft pick or a keeper slot on him, I'm really praying he's going to save my bacon in playoffs and be worth that third or fourth round pick that I spent. We've got a couple more goalie situations we want to talk about. Uh, Shams, we've got five on the list here, so I'm going to start with one, and then you can give your comments and pick another one off the list until we're done. I'm going to start with my hometown Seattle Kraken. I believe that Philip Grubauer is kind of taking the 1A away. There was a tweet today where Dave Haxtell said that he refuses to anoint Grubauer the starter right now because Jones has a very good record. But if you look at the numbers, the goals saved above average and the save percentage, Grubauer has been the much hotter goalie since the All-Star break and maybe even a bit earlier. I think unless he completely blows up in the next couple games, that he's going to be their number one guy for the rest of the season and going into playoffs, you can expect two starts out of every three or so. Uh, on to you, Shams. Say what you want on that and pick a new team. I'm with you. I feel like that's almost just kind of like coach speak to be like, hey, Grubauer, we're not going to give it to you. But like, really, we all know Martin Jones. He was playing okay, but like the team really helped. Like, when you speak of the record, it's not just him and the team was playing well. So I'm 100% on board with you there. The next spot, and I do with these goalies, it's anything could change. But the way I have a feeling is, I'm scared in Los Angeles that we might be getting another 50-50 split. Because right now, since Corpusalo came to the team, we've seen a 1, a 2, a 1, and a 2 because Corpusalo is now playing. And while he hasn't been lights out, either hasn't been Copley. So the way I'm looking at it, unless one goes on a drastic hot streak, which... Either goalie, honestly, even with uh, Phoenix Copley, the way he was playing before, he wasn't like 
doing great. He was just doing great compared to Quick. That I would be scared of this going to be one of those 50-50 situations like Arizona was until these injuries potentially has popped up. So just a kind of a thought that if you have uh, either one of the goalies, I wouldn't be expecting myself to be getting every single start. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that you don't trade for Eunice Corposalo along with Gavrikov unless you're planning on playing him half your starts or so. Copley is an basically an AHL journeyman. I believe he is 31 years old and has not played a ton of NHL games before this. So I doubt they trust him to play playoff games for them. So I think this is a true 50-50 and going to be a headache for fantasy managers. As a weird aside, I'm looking through Copley's game log. He has a game with a 184 goals against average. Uh, he gave up two goals in 39 seconds and got pulled. On to another team, though. I am also worried that the Vegas Golden Knights are a 50-50. They, Aiden Hill is hurt right now, so take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. But they traded for Quick after he was traded unceremoniously to Columbus. And it's clear all season they don't really trust Aiden Hill. They've been playing Thompson ahead of him, even when healthy. And I just see this being a, we brought in a veteran to push the young guy, and they're going to split 50-50 until one of them proves themselves. What do you think? So if I remember correctly, I don't have the exact quote, but effectively what uh, the GM said when they traded for Quick was, we didn't want to have no one after Hill. or no one Because I believe Bersois was already hurt at that point. So it was just Bersois, then Hutchinson. And if you want our thoughts on Hutchinson, I believe we talked about him as a show on why we think Bersois is going to get a lot of starts. So basically the idea was they needed some support to just cover for injuries and whatnot. It wasn't like, hey, we're going for our team. And then also to keep in mind is that Logan Thompson is coming back, or at least the way the GM was talking, is has a potential of coming back sometime in the season. So you got him, you got Arsois, you got Hill. We don't know how long he's going to be hurt. We just know that he wasn't able to play today. Then he got quick. So even if one of them does okay, we could potentially at one point during the fantasy playoffs have four healthy goalies on this team. That's true. I forgot about the potential for Logan Thompson to return to the net. I'd be a bit surprised if he makes it back for fantasy playoffs, given that I have not seen any news of him skating, but never say never. And I guess, yeah, uh, I guess it's your turn still. Uh, which of these last two teams, Toronto and Edmonton, do you want to talk about next? So I'm going to go with uh, Toronto. So my idea is in goalies will be goalies, but Samsonov has been showing as the more steady of the two, and at least <laughs> the one that's going to be available more often than not. So while Murray is back, I wouldn't put too much worry as if I'm a Samsonov manager that he's going to lose the net much. So, But it might be a situation where I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a two starts and Murray gets a start because they don't want to run with one too hard. But I still believe even with Murray back for how long he ends up being able to be back, that it's going to be Samsonov's net. I agree with you. I think this is Samsonov's net, not just because I own him in one of my most important leagues, but also because of the pressure in Toronto to win in the playoffs this year. 
one of the worst things you can do as a team in the playoffs is not have a starting goalie and have a goalie controversy before game one of the first round. I think they're just going to continue to ride Samsonov unless he completely blows up and anoint him as the starter slash potential scapegoat for the playoffs. Last but not least, we have the Edmonton Oilers. My take here is short and sweet. Campbell's terrible. Uh, I think this is Skinner's net. They should probably try to give Campbell some games, maybe in the AHL, not in the NHL, because of that contract that's now looking really ugly. But Stuart Skinner has looked really good this year, and Campbell has looked really bad. So mostly with you on there, there has been some notes. I didn't get to see any of the goals, but the the way that I saw Twitter reacting is that Skinner let in some softies, or at least ones that maybe people considered that he could have had. So if that continues, then maybe they might throw in Campbell because you got the old paycheck pump potentially. But I'm with you from a if you're looking at two in a vacuum, I would prefer Skinner, but maybe not as solid as when we were talking about Toronto. Sounds about right to me. Uh, some soft goals are definitely one way to ruin a goalie's relevance. Last but not least, we have a bit of open discussion on next week's quarterfinal week, if you're playing with the Yahoo Standard Fantasy Playoffs, which most of us are. There are two teams with only two games on the schedule, and one of those two games being the busy Saturday where I think 30 out of 32 teams play. And those are the Florida Panthers and the Detroit Red Wings. I think the Wings is a bit easier decision than the Panthers, but the Panthers have a lot of fantasy-relevant players that, you know, maybe we just are going to have to cut them loose. Yeah, it's going to be really difficult because uh, I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but the dance is with Florida. Is if I remember correctly, they have a great schedule after the first week. So it's going to be one of those situations where Obviously, you're in the playoffs, you're not going to have any soft matchups, but it's going to be a tough bullet to bite there to see that let one person go, them getting picked up and not having access to them for the next round. So the way I look at it, I am maybe going to be a little bit more hesitant on dropping any of them from the way. So like, obviously, you're keeping your power your Chuck and Broski because he owns the net. But for the rest, like say for example, um, Berhage, Montour, Reinhardt, I would be safe with. Now, like honestly, off the top of my head, the only one that I would be a little—it wouldn't be an, a good strong argument for me to like be fine with cutting him would be Declare, honestly, because like everyone was just holding him with the hope. Then he would do something, and he came back, and he was, like, on the top two lines. I think he's, like, sick or something, so he's not even, or, like, at least day-to-day. So, like, hasn't really showed enough to me as the others to have a roster spot, especially with a tough week coming up. I agree that it's a bit of a tough decision on the Verhages, the Montours, and the Reinhardts. Uh, the obvious easy keeps on Florida are Barkov, Tuchuk, and Bobrovsky, given that Spencer Knight is hopefully working on himself right now in the player assistance program. But afterwards, for Hagee, Montour, Reinhardt, Bennett, Ekblad, Duclair, I think that's one of those that's going to be a case-by-case basis. You know, if Jordan Greenway is available on your wire, and he has an assist now in addition to his goal, maybe I'd be cutting loose Bennett or Duclair for him. 
just to get that better schedule. On the other hand, if you know those guys are instantly going to be scooped up and stashed for the second round by another team, you may have to think twice. I do want to draw attention to Montour specifically, has a very inflated points per game average on the season because of how hot he started when Ekblad was hurt. So you may want to look into Montour's last 30 or 60 days and see if he is still relevant in your league. Because at least in one of my leagues, I looked at him and he's been streamer level for like the past month and a half. I had a good point. The way I look at it is that, uh, yeah, it's really Declare, Bennett, and then Montour are the three probably of the more namesake uh, players from that team that I would be willing to let go. Now for uh, your Detroit Red Wings, I think this is a bit easier of a decision. I had marked that Larkin and Sider are guys that you want to hold, and that some of the fringe guys to consider are Perron and Raymond, but personally, I'd be cutting them both loose. How about you? I'm with you. It's basically from this standpoint, I look at all of the forwards other than Larkin as just a soup of players. You guess who's going to get points? It could be Raymond, it could be Parade, it could be Kubalik, it could be Cop. Like, and especially in that situation, the last thing you want to be doing is holding them, and then they end up like most possibly just literally getting you nothing. So it's almost as if you had a dead roster spot. So even in deeper leagues, I would be perfectly fine kind of getting one other than Larkin and Cider, and then maybe you can look at your defenseman uh, and whatnot and. Where you see, it's like, oh no, I was going to potentially say Wallman, because I just like that he has some offensive capability, but like, so few games, and I don't believe they have the greatest uh, schedule after, that I would be literally only like, Larkin and Sider would be the only ones I would consider. I wouldn't be surprised if you're in a situation where do or die, I would, I'm not saying to drop Sider, but like, I would be like, if you're looking at tough cuts, he would be into the question. That's how little I look at uh, Detroit at this moment. Yeah, Detroit does actually have a pretty good schedule after that, which is why I'd probably hold on to Cider. But you're right about the fact that it's kind of like a rotating cast other than Larkin getting points. One more uh, bonus round. Tony D'Angelo, suspended for, I believe, three games which I guess will bleed into next week a little bit. Are you holding him? Are you cutting him? He's been kind of bad lately anyway, or all season, I guess. I would not even second guess, just let him go, because the way I look at it is that if this was a regular season, sure, you could have that conversation, but there might not be a next week for you. And as I mentioned before, you're in the playoffs, unless you're in those weird ones where, like, Effectively, everyone in your fantasy league makes it, and you're in that situation, you're like seed one against seed eight, and you're like set to get in, and for some reason, D'Angelo brings value in your league, I consider it. But if you're in any sort of league where you're going to have relevant competition, are you really going to go without a roster spot? And then what are you going to tell yourself if you end up losing and then you're not in the playoffs anymore? It's like, just because you wanted D'Angelo of all players? The Flyers are a particular wasteland of fantasy goodness recently, and 
if he's suspended and not hurt, you can't even hold him in your IR, at least in Yahoo. I know other platforms are a bit different about that. Well, we are a bit of a long shift today. That's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to give us a follow on at ShortShiftsKK, as well as Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson. I also recommend you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News NHL, all organized nicely at the site GameDayTweets.com, which Shams helps out a ton with. Visit that site and other great sites we use to research our episodes with at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, and Natural Stature. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach, and John Reed is our digital media producer. Until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.